seated. So I had forgotten till I got here this morning that it's Father's Day, um, which is a good thing because uh, it's better to forget Father's Day than it is to forget Mother's Day. So uh, can I get an amen from that? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, so we're going to look this morning at uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Uh, it's a, a, a pretty uh, intense passage uh, that hits at uh, economic uh, disparity and uh, abuse and oppression. So uh, it's a, a good uh, text for us to look at uh, and to think through in the midst of an economic downturn, in the midst of a recession in the midst of a time of economic uncertainty, right? To, to think about uh, that. Uh, and the truth is, probably many of us, most of us, have thought a lot about uh, uh, the economy and our uh, place in it um, over the last uh, uh, several weeks and months. Um, an interesting statistic to keep in mind as we look at this text and think about what's going on in our own country right now is for the last two months... The average hourly wage in our country has increased dramatically. Now, that sounds weird, doesn't it? That, that sounds like that would be good news, right? Well, it's, it's terrible news. And, and the reason why it's, it's terrible news is because everybody who was making less uh, is now making nothing. Right? So if you hack off the bottom 10, 15, 20% of the wage earners, then it makes the statistic, the average looks better, right? Isn't it funny how numbers work? Uh, that's why I never did well in math. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just, just keep that in mind as we, as we look at uh, this, this text uh, today. So Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 13, uh, this is the word of God. And we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Now, there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their uh, Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There are also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine." And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards. And then Nehemiah answers this. I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. I took counsel with myself, and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest against each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. In other words, this, they, uh, after 70, 80 years of being deported and scattered, 
they're back, or at least a portion of them are back there in in, uh, Jerusalem. But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. Um, Just that's that's a great uh, verse. They were silent and could not find a word to say. Uh, That's actually probably a safe place for us to be most of the time uh, when we hear God's word. Uh, We're silent and uh, could not find a word uh, to say. So I said... The thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep this promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. Uh, what a great way to conclude that text. The people did actually, as they'd promised. That, that's, a, that's, that's a very encouraging thing. So I was, uh, today it's Father's Day. I was thinking about my dad this week, and uh, I remember uh, being at my mom and dad's um, uh, 50th wedding anniversary uh, party. We threw a party for them, and um, uh, it was the year, the, the first year that my dad, the first time that he had cancer that year, and he had been really sick, and by uh, their uh, anniversary there in June, he was doing better uh, uh, and um, uh, much better, as a matter of fact. But one of the things, you know, we, we gave my dad an opportunity to say something uh, uh, to the family and friends that were gathered there. And it was really cool because there were half a dozen people there who were there at the party who were there when they got married. You know, really cool, right? So we get, kind of gave my dad the mic, which... Uh, was a, it was a nerve-wracking thing to do because uh, my dad is known for speaking the unvarnished truth uh, in ways that makes everybody uncomfortable. Um, and um, so you never knew what he was going to say. So he, he talked about how much he loved my mom, which was really great. He talked about uh, how God had provided for him in healing that year from his cancer. But then he said something that I thought was remarkable. He said, in the midst of this year where I've been so sick, and at age 70, he was still continuing to work. He was on his, his third retirement at that point in time. He said, I made more money this year than I ever made in my life. In fact, when I go back and I look at it, I think he made about three to four times more money that year than he had ever made any year in his whole working life. And the reason why he made so much money that year is because he got a settlement from a number of the construction companies that he worked for uh, for uh, asbestos exposure. Uh, you see those creepy ads with the lawyers now on TV of the, you know, if you've got mesothelioma or, or, or whatever. Well, uh, I don't really like those because that's my family story. Uh, it contributed to my mom's death. It contributed to my dad's death. It contributed to six of my uncle's deaths. 
it also, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side, uh, uh, his uh, death and his wife's, my grandmother's uh, death, who I never met, she died in 1939, uh, came as a result of exposure uh, not to uh, asbestos, but to uh, dust in the Golly Bridge uh, Tunnel uh, in West Virginia in 1935. Look that up. It's, it's listed as the worst uh, industrial uh, death trap in the history of America. Well, of course, you know, Shelby's and Sisk, my two families, we were there right in the middle of it. Uh, and to this day, uh, I, I was exposed to uh, the asbestos that my dad brought home and that cousins that I had that lived with us who worked in these, these jobs brought home. Uh, so my brother and I have been exposed to it as well. And so, um, uh, yeah, so we, we lived that. Now, what's crazy about this is, and what's interesting uh, to us and our, and our family about this is, um, uh, my, my mom and dad never had a bad word, or any of my uncles and aunts had a bad word to say about the company they worked for. Uh, that exposed them uh, to this. And the reason why they thought that is because uh, where they had come from, they were so poor. Uh, where, where they had come from, you know, a dollar and a quarter an hour in 1948 was the most money you could ever imagine making, and they were glad to get it. And I, they, we have pictures in our family albums of, of my dad and my uncle's all at work, in construction, heavy construction, with little cloth caps on in their overalls. You know, they didn't even wear hard hats. All of them uh, also got settlements that same year because all of them uh, lost their hearing. Nobody protected, <laughs> protected their hearing, which made family reunions awesome because everybody was shouting at everybody all the time, just not because we were fighting, just because you couldn't hear. They, they, they were all deaf as... As, I mean, it was unbelievable. So, um, but they never said a bad word about the company they, that they worked for until it came out that year and some of the litigation that the companies that they had worked for knew that asbestos would kill the workers as early as 1924. But asbestos was such a great insulator and so cheap to get, they buried that and hoped that nobody would ever figure that out. And these, this was back in the day where, you know, these guys worked uh, on these uh, uh, power plants and these other things that they worked on. The guys who actually owned the company, they knew them by their first name. They would come through and they would say, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? They, my dad and my uncles knew the guys who actually owned the company, and they knew them. It wasn't like there was some kind of faceless distance between the owners and the workers. And so it was alarming to, uh, to us, uh, to our family, uh, to come to grips with the fact that uh, this had happened to all of us. And what was even more disturbing to us about it was my brother and I came across uh, 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 one of the, the ways we knew what, how our family was viewed by the uh, 
the, the leader, the elite, the richer, the owners of the company, was that uh, when it came time to do remediation on all of this asbestos, they hired undocumented people at below minimum wage to do the removal of the asbestos. And, and, and it was kind of shocking to us to realize, and I, I, I want to be careful about how I communicate this, but that told us you know, exactly where we rated in the socioeconomic pecking order of this company, right? Um, and so not an unusual, not a, not a totally different thing is happening. Now, thankfully, and I, I will, let me just say this too. Thankfully, I'm glad we live uh, in a country where eventually that was redressed to some degree, right? So they were, there was some accountability ultimately that uh, uh, for, uh, for the guys that did that. Um, but what it, that, that's, a, that's a good picture of what's happening here in the text that we have today. Because remember, the project that Nehemiah is about is rebuilding the wall around the city. And up until this point in the, the story, all of the opposition, all of the issues, all of the difficulties have come from outside, right? They're surrounded on all sides by people uh, of other nations, people of other faiths who, are, who do not want them to succeed, who are there warring against them, uh, putting them in, in a very difficult position. And so all of their obstacles, all of the things that they've had to deal with have been against uh, outsiders. But now there's suddenly this issue that's come up within the community of faith, within the people of God, that the rich people, the wealthy people, are actually exploiting the poor people. And they're all being exploited in the midst of this by the taxes of the Persian Empire. And so it's just this giant mess. And, and remember, you, you know, begin to think about this. It makes a little bit of, of sense, right? Because remember, we read those great passages about the guys that, uh, that, that they, they, they slept in their clothes and they worked all night and they had their spear and their trowel and they were going at it like that. Well, it, it never, you know, I don't know if it occurred to you over the, if you've been paying any attention or thinking about these texts at all, but the, the, it becomes a clear thing here. They're so focused on the wall that nobody's doing anything about raising any food. And so there's a famine in the land. They're so focused on getting the wall built that nobody's doing much to get some kind of harvest going so they can have something to eat, right? And so uh, while all this attention is upon building the wall, hunger is becoming a problem because the fields are not being uh, tended uh, as uh, they should. So the rich people uh, who have money to lend and uh, are using that as leverage against the poor people, right? And then the landowners, who we tend to think of as the people who will exploit other people, actually are in trouble because they have to mortgage their land in order to have money to buy seed for a harvest, but they're not able to work on the harvest because they're working on the wall. And so, uh, uh, so they're probably not going to have a harvest and probably a poor harvest. And because they've mortgaged their fields and their vineyards and, and all of that, they're not going to be able to, uh, they might lose their property and there was provision in the law of Moses that you could actually sell yourself or some portion of your family into slavery for a period of time until the debt was paid off. 
which I know that sounds really horrible in, in our context, but the truth be told, every time you swipe your credit card, every time you take on debt, you're kind of enslaving yourself a little bit, you know? You don't, you don't sell your kids to, to, to pay that debt off, but there's a, there's a sense in which whenever we go into debt, we are, and I know, you know, I'm looking around and seeing all the Capital One people in here. And... Sorry about that. But, uh, but, the, but the, fact, the, the fact of the matter is, the, 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 the truth is, uh, you, you, debt is a slaver. It just is, right? Until you can, until you can get it uh, uh, paid off. And then on top of all of this, because of what makes it even worse, is the Persians who exact an incredible amount of tax from their people. And one of the ways that we know this is that when Alexander the Great actually came and overthrew the the Persian Empire, he discovered these warehouses full to the ceiling of gold and silver, like piles and piles and piles of it, right? And so, so the, 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 if, if you're a poor person, or even if you're just a middle-class person in this situation, you're getting squeezed from all directions. You've got to get the wall built. You've got to get your harvest in so you can pay your debt that you, you, know, you, you bought seed on credit. And now if you don't get a good harvest, you can't pay that off. You put your land or your family up as collateral for the debt. The debt's going to come d- due. And now you're really in a mess, Right? It is, uh, it, it, it's a terrible, uh, a terrible situation. So the in- inability of the poor folk to work the land and provide for themselves, that's one problem. The work on the wall now and the unity of the community is suffering, right? Because nobody wants to work on the wall for the sake of the community if they're all starving. And nobody wants to be a part of the community when the richer people in the community are stealing from and oppressing and using the poor people in the community. An incredible amount of debt is being taken on to pay the king's tax. Some children are being sold into slavery. And there's these illusions in here that part of the slavery and part of the desperation that's going on here is we see in verse 5, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it's not in our power to help it. For other men have our fields and our vineyards, right? Um it's a it's a terrible just uh, a, a terrible uh, situation, right? Um, and so, what does uh, what 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 uh, um, what does Nehemiah do, right? I mean, I I hope when you hear this and you and you think think about this, it causes you to have an emotional reaction. It should cause us to have an emotional reaction, right? Um, and it and it should put us in, and in this situation we can't go into all the passages from Exodus 21 and Leviticus 25, but but there were provisions in the law of God about how how you handled debt, how you handled credit, how you within the community uh, that you did not charge interest to your brothers and your sisters uh, in in uh, in in the community, and uh, that after six years, on the seventh year, everything was forgiven. And at, at the end of 50 years, all the land that had been put up for mortgage or sold reverted back to the original family that had it when they came into the land. How they were able to do that, I don't know. But I do know that within the law of God, for these people, uh, God's heart was to make sure that, uh, 
this kind of economic oppression had no place in and among the people of God, right? And so Nehemiah hears this and he's angry, right? He says, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words, right? That's a normal thing, right? When, whenever we see, I don't know, you know, whenever uh, you, uh, um, I remember being at the bus stop as a kid and uh, people don't do this kind of stuff anymore because parents go out to the bus stop. But I lived in a, in a different age where, you know, my bus stop was a mile from my house. I walked to it. And we were there, and it was like Lord of the Flies, if you know what that is like. The, that was what the, the bus stop was like. That's what the bus was like, actually, when, when I was a kid. And so uh, there, are, you know, there were bullies there at the bus stop, and uh, uh, I remember just getting so furious at this sixth grader picking on the second grader one time, and there was all kinds of other politics that went on in the neighborhood around this. And back in the day, we didn't have backpacks. We carried our books with these straps, like belts. You put your books in here, and you put a strap down here like that, and you put the strap over your back, and you carried it. Well, trust me, you swing that thing around a couple of times, uh, and the bully doesn't see it coming because he's bigger than me. Uh, you, could, you could stop his bullying. Get my drift, right? So... <laughs> So I remember just being furious at this and just, you know, it had been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm like, you know, who's the bully now? So um, I, I, there's a second half to that story that we won't go into. But I um, uh, also I didn't get in any trouble at the school, weirdly. It was a different time. So um, so, the, so the fact is this, this should make us angry. Whenever people are bullied, whenever people are pressing their advantage in this way, and there's, this is not a, a screed against capitalism or anything like that. It's against taking advantage of other people's hurt. Uh, it's, um, and again, it's, it's like an overly uh, uh, aggressive like payday loan system, right, where you basically purpose not to help people but to actually enslave them. And the interest rates that uh, people speculate here is interest in the neighborhood of 40, 50 percent, right? So it, it's all out of proportion of anything uh, that, that should make sense. So when Nehemiah hears this, he's furious. But I, there's something we can learn here from, from Nehemiah. Uh, I don't often like to say, you know, uh, pattern yourself a, 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 a up against the moral behavior of a, of a biblical character because Nehemiah is a sinner. But we can learn something from this sinner, and that is he sees the injustice and he's angry. He's furious at what he sees, and rightly so. And what does he do? It says here that I took counsel with myself. In other words, what the, the, the Hebrew actually says there is I ruled my heart, which would be a good thing for all of us to do when we're angry. Right? And I'm going to say something that I know is going to go in one ear and out the other. Nobody's going to pay any attention to this. In fact, I expect, as has been the case over the last several weeks, my email box will fill up with this comment. As Kevin said earlier, we're going to have a service of lament on Sunday night. Part of lament in the Old Testament is fasting. That's one of the ways you demonstrate your seriousness with this. You all... Every one of you 
could be so well served if you would fast from social media for seven days. And if you can't fast from social media, only put verses from the Bible on your pages. Could you do that for a week? I mean, I, I don't, it, it breaks my heart to see what you're doing, what we're doing. So stop it. Please. Thank you. Um, I, I had a whole week to rule my heart before, <laughs> before I said that. But I think it would do us some good to be quiet about the things that we're railing about and being self-defensive about and self-righteous about and let Jesus speak to us in the quiet of the moment instead of being so quick to speak. That would be a good thing for us to prepare our hearts to enter into a time of lament um, Sunday night. Um, Secondly, uh, the other thing to note about this is Nehemiah's example. What he says is, you are exacting interest each from his brother, right? And he tells them, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do that anymore. And uh, he says, we've, we've done this. We've brought these people back. You know, we essentially uh, redeemed them from uh, being where they were. Uh, and now you are actually enslaving them again, just like the Babylonians and the Persians have done, right? And so what you're doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? In other words, what you're doing is just like what the unbelievers do. What you're doing is just like the, what the pagans, the, 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 uh, the Babylonians and the Persians have done to us. Now you guys who are brothers, who are the people of God, are doing this to each other, right? Um, and so what he says is, so here's what we're going to do. This thing you're doing is not good. You're not, a, you're not in, walking in the fear of God. So I want you to know what we're going to do, what I and my brothers are going to do. We're going to lend them money and grain, uh, and we're not going to charge any interest. Now, it's not like he says we're just giving it away. He wants to give the people an opportunity to work. He wants to give them the dignity of actually doing something about it. But he's not going to charge them this exorbitant interest in this period of, of difficulty, right? And so I think, there, I think it's not only just that he preaches a sermon about their oppression, but he says, here's what we can do to solve this situation. You have resources, and you need to put those resources to work for the good of the community, because if we don't put these resources to work, if we're all about hoarding what we have, then the wall will never get built and we will collapse and we won't be a community any longer. So he says, here's what we're going to do. Those of us who have, we're going to make loans, no interest loans to those who don't have to, to remove the reproach of us having to sell our, our kids into slavery and to mortgage our land so that to, to, to pay the taxes and to pay the debts that we have, right? And so uh, the people are cut to the quick by this. I mean, it's, it's obvious it's exposed. I mean, it's not like this is done in any kind of secret. Everybody knows this is going on. And uh, uh, it's, it's fairly clear that they say, you're right. We've done this, and we're going to do what we've promised to do. Um, 
and it's a it's a pretty uh, powerful uh, thing that we see here, right? That um, um, that the the very life of the community was being put at risk uh, because people in the community uh, were so afraid, or so greedy, or so selfish that they were willing to kill the community there that God was building and kill the project that God was doing of building the wall for their own sake and for their own profit, right? Um, I think it's, I think that's a, 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 yeah, pretty powerful thing uh, and worth uh, uh, pondering and, and thinking a bit about, right? Um, one one of the things that uh, that we can take away from this this morning, and one of the things that we can uh, that we can uh, uh, think about, uh, is uh, what that greed and self interest, unbridled self interest, uh, is such a, a demanding idol, right? Um, these people, the the wealthy people, want to become wealthier. Uh, the middle class people want to become wealthier, and so at, at, as they do this, they're willing to exploit people who have very little to take what little they have from them to enrich themselves, even if it means the whole community suffers, right? But uh, uh, one of the things that's so crazy about selfishness and greed and, and that sort of stuff is it ends up killing us. Uh, Proverbs 1.19 says, Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. In other words, the, the people who give themselves to greed, greed ends up killing them. Um, and that seems counterintuitive because it seems to us like if I'm greedy and I'm protecting myself, then I'll make it when everybody else uh, doesn't, right? Um, and so when we think about this, we need to ask the question and, and how to think about this in light of the gospel is who's the true rich man, right? Uh, we, we read in, in uh, uh, the scriptures uh, this morning earlier, right, that, uh, um, you know, consider Jesus Christ, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich, right? Um, I think, actually, we haven't read that yet. We're going to read it. I knew I'd read it in here somewhere, but we're going we're to read that uh, later in the service. And that's, that is the, the economy that God gives to us in Jesus Christ. In the gospel, I have everything that Jesus has, because he gave up everything he had so I could gain what he gained, Right? And so if that is the foundation under my feet, if that is the place that I begin, uh, then um, that's a great place. That, that, that helps me take a breath, takes me, it gives me an opportunity to have my fingers unpried from those things that I think are going to give me life and be a little bit more generous and open-handed, right? Um, because I have been given so much by the one true rich man it changes the way uh, my life is oriented uh, towards others, right? Um, and and this is a this is a this is a hard thing uh, for us uh, to figure out uh, in the in the system that we have. A few weeks ago, I had a very 
good, I think good, and long conversation with my daughter who, you know, is working through the, a lot of the stuff that many of us are working through. And, and one of the things she came to me and said, and I, you know, if this is offensive to you, then, uh, yeah, well, it's, uh, it was a good conversation. She said, uh, I think it's obscene how much money uh, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, makes. And I said, well, you think it's obscene now? According to projections, if things keep going the way they're going, he'll be the first trillionaire in six years. <laughs> trillionaire. Trillionaire. And he just got divorced and lost a bunch of his money, and he's still on track to be a trillionaire. Amazing. Amazing. How does that happen? Um, and, I, and I said to her, I'm like, you know what? I hear you, baby. I, I, and I kind of agree with you on that. That does, that does seem pretty obscene to me. And it's disturbing to me. But you know that uh, uh, this coffee that we're drinking here this morning that we like so much that's made by our friends here in town? If you don't have capitalism, you don't have that either. And the little uh, cidery that you work for out in Goochland County that you enjoy so much, if, if we don't have capitalism, we don't have that either. And I said, so, so I think, I think it's, it's worth thinking a little bit about that. I said, you know, would you feel so bad about somebody being a trillionaire if they gave uh, a bunch of that away or set it up so that by the time they died, they didn't have any more money left? And she's like, I don't know. And I said, well, the, the town that I grew up in, the little town that I grew up in, had a library, tiny little library. I can still remember the way it smelled. Uh, that's my one, one big, big memory about it. We, uh, you know why we had a library in our town? Not because we taxed people to get it or anything like that, but because a, a man like Jeff Bezos from the previous century, Andrew Carnegie, who was a was quite a guy uh, gave away money so that little towns like ours could have a library right and I said do you, can you can you see that there is some some value to that and so what we settled on is you know that capitalism is a good thing as long as it leads us to generosity as long as it leads us to a place where we are willing to look at our possessions and how we get those possessions um, and are we generous with what God blesses us with because we have to confess and we have to admit that God has been gracious and generous with us in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is addressing uh, this joyful church in his joy. Uh, and he says to them to consider the example of Jesus Christ who, who gave up his place and took on the form of a servant. And not only the, a servant, but a shameful place where he died our death on the cross and rose again for us. Purchasing redemption, eternal life, joy, and freedom from the need to hoard uh, in him. And he says there, do nothing from selfishness or conceit, 
right? Which I think is part of what's happening here with the, the, the wealthy, the well-to-do people. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility. Just as Jesus, the Lord of all, was humble, count others more significant than yourselves. You know, one of the things I've gotten to over the last few weeks and months is trying to make things simple. You know, that's why I quit writing my letter at the beginning of the bulletin and I just put uh, the two great commandments and that's all I'm going to put for a while uh, because I need to be remember, uh, to remember that. Um, but also, you know, just to, to hear this, okay, uh, I, I'm, I'm, God, how can I do nothing from selfishness and conceit when I am a selfish, conceited person? How can I do this? Well, the way I can do it is in humility, remembering the humility of Christ, uh, do what he did, and that is count others more significant than myself. That's really hard when I look around me and all I want to do is criticize and think I'm better than, at least I'm not that guy. Right? Um, and so we need a, a gospel dose here of grace into our hearts and lives to set us free, uh, not from our selfishness and our pride, uh, and to rest in the humility of Jesus Christ for us um, that he has given us his life, his righteousness, his riches. Uh, would you pray with me now that God would do that uh, in us? Lord, uh, we confess to you that we are a broken people, uh, and, and part of our brokenness is we don't, we don't even know uh, how broken we are, um, but you do. And, and um, when we get a glimpse of our brokenness, we are repelled by that. And when you look our uh, uh, brokenness uh, in the eye, you are drawn to us. Lord, that's the mystery of grace. Uh, that's the mystery of your work for us. I pray that you would do that in us. Uh, Lord, I confess my own selfishness uh, and my own fear that I won't have enough. And even worse than that, Lord, my, the fact that I don't fear you because I don't think you'll provide. I think that's what many of us think about and are tempted by. And so I pray that you would free us from that and free us from that by showing us the cross and show us the extent to which you will provide for your people. Help us to believe that. Help us to rest in that. Help us to be free in that today. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, let's, let's confess our sins together by using this uh, confession of sin uh, from the book of common prayer most merciful god we confess that we have sinned against you in thought word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone we have not loved you with our whole heart we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves we are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son jesus christ have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
Believers, hear these words of encouragement this morning. Take these words to heart. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich.